Today, true words of wisdom, reclaiming your financial life after divorce or the loss of a spouse. This is the Seven Figures Podcast, smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. I have to take it down a notch because our guest today, you you are just so calm. Your voice is even so calming. And I tend to be very tightly wound. (laughs) Dr. Grace Harlow Klein is here with us. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start first. You're a psychotherapist. Yes. Money doesn't seem to be a topic a psychotherapist would talk a lot about, but yet you're passionate about it. How is what you do in your practice connected to money? Well, let me start with what psychotherapy is about. People come to me when they're hurting about something in their lives, whether it's a relationship that's fallen apart or whether they've had a loss of a different kind. Something has happened in their lives that kind of pushes them over the edge to say, I need to find someone to talk with. And so I start with, why have you come? And it's never about the money in the beginning. Um, It's about what they're hurting about and what's not working in their lives. And so eventually we get around to what do they have to work with in solving the problem and giving them what they want or what's been missing. And that's where the money begins to come into the picture. Mm -hmm. But, and I, I encourage people to start setting aside money so that they have choices in their life that while they're figuring out what they want, if they're putting money away, then they have resources when they get an answer to, well, what is it I want? Oh, I have money to make it happen. And you know, it is interesting and fascinating because we're almost trained to think that money, we have it, we acquire it to spend it. Mm -hmm. But in reality, money is more of like what you said, that peace of mind that freedom, Mm -hmm. not necessarily to spend it, but to make choices that you want to make, Mm -hmm. not that you have to make because Mm -hmm. you have lack of money. Right. The way that we got directly involved in uh, talking about money, Sheila and I together were doing a group called Reclaiming a Life After. And all of the women were clients from my practice who were going through divorce. Mm. And divorce always relationships always involve money Mm -hmm. and then when the relationship falls apart the money falls apart and often the women end up in very difficult situations financially and they also are in the situation where they're hurting a lot about the loss of the relationship and they're suddenly responsible for their own finances and so As we worked with the workshop, it's been going on for a year now, and we're just coming to the end of it, Um, we brought in a financial person that Sheila knew to talk with the women in the group about their finances. And some of them have consulted her individually after that. But it became a focus for reclaiming a life, creating a new chapter of your life. What do you have to work with? And if you're not managing your money well and you don't understand how to do that or what the relationship is, then you need some help in thinking that through. So that's how we got at this point to bringing the financial piece so directly into the workshop that we're doing. That you do. And um, when you refer to Sheila, your um, 
Speaking about Sheila Kennedy, who has been a guest several times on our show. She is a publicist, so she's your publicist because you have several books out. Yes. Yes. Um, And we love her. We love Sheila Kennedy. Yes. So (laughs) Dr. Grace Harlow Klein, the Center for Human Encouragement is your practice. And you started this practice with your husband? Yes. Okay. My husband had been a psychotherapist for many years before I met him in 1982, and we were married in 1983. And I had a career in the university in nursing at that point, but eventually that ended, and I began to develop my practice. I had had a few clients before that, but then I began to do this full-time and with him. And, um, And then when his health began to fail, I began to take over the practice, and I've done it alone now for the last eight years. In your marriage, were you very active with the finances, or was that a role he pretty much assumed to, you know, take charge of? Well, it's a little bit funny, but we had never put our money together. And um, I had a funny experience very early in my relationship with him, realizing that he was a little bit crazy about money. And I remember saying, so I'm never going to give him any control over my money. (laughs) Crazy meaning crazy spending or crazy? The other way, not spending. (laughs) Oh, the other way. Oh, so he's like me. Okay. (laughs) He's a saver. Okay. Well, he saw saw a beautiful chamois shirt in a window in Toronto when we were there together. And he liked it. And we went in and, and he bought it for me. And then he went crazy afterwards. It was like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, we're <laughs> going to keep my money, my money. Okay, I understand. So we negotiated all of the years, almost 30 years that we were together. We negotiated how to pay for things, and we did a lot of renovating on his house. I moved to Rochester to live with him and commuted to my work. And, but we had, he had this old house. And so we had a lot of renovating projects over the years, and we would negotiate the money about how we were going to pay for things. So I was really involved in negotiating, but I had never even looked at his finances. And then one day I realized I needed to go to New York and talk to his financial advisor. And the thing that he said to me that made a difference was, how much can you earn? And I mentally made a note of how much I would try to earn in my practice. And um, that's what got me started on dealing with the financial base of our money, his money, my money, and, um, and my practice so that I can stay in my home. So what advice would you give to couples out there that, I mean, I think that's the big, not debate in a relationship, but discussion in a relationship, how to divide the money. If you had to rewind the clock, would you do it the same way or what would you change? What I would change is that we would talk about it and we would lay out what each of us had and have the discussion more directly because I think that's what we missed in doing this. But it was very fair the way that it worked out. And so I don't regret um, that you know, I don't have any resentment or leftover feelings. In fact, um, he was very afraid that I would take his house if the relationship didn't work out. And so I was faced right at the time we were getting married. 
I was faced with, okay, you can either call off the wedding until you get this resolved, or you can trust that you'll work it out. I chose the latter. The invitations were already out. (laughs) People were coming (laughs) from all over the country. (laughs) So I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and we'll work it out. And I can tell exactly when I tackled it with him because I think we had been on vacation for two weeks and then we were home for two weeks in August. And I said, Armin, I need you to put my name on the deed to the house. If anything happened to you, and my name is not on the deed, I couldn't handle losing you and my home and everything. So I have the deed to the house with my name on it that was a certain date in September (laughs) for a (laughs) dollar. He put my name on the deed to the house. And that's one of the things that people get into difficulty about. If the house is only in one person's name, the other person is they get no credit for whatever they have put into it. And I've seen it both ways with the woman not being on the deed or a current client, his name was not on the deed to the house. Then when the relationship falls apart, that person has nothing to rely on as far as what they've invested in it. That was not true. I took care of it with Armin. He took care of me in it. And so that was how we negotiated things. I have a need, you have a need, okay, you want to do this, I want to do that, we'll figure out how we're going to pay for it. But don't beat around the bush, it's all about communication. It is. Be direct, like you said. Very direct and knowing how you feel and addressing the issues that are in front of you. So the communication is really an important part of that and knowing your own feelings and being able to speak up for yourself. Do you, because you deal with a lot of, relationships, couples therapy, Mm -hmm. out of all the couples throughout all the years that you've been doing this, does it really boil down to the issues that bring them into your office? Is it money? I remember when my first husband and I started going to couples therapy and some of the issues that we were in conflict about, I remember this, the therapist saying that money is about control. And that was why the money was an issue, that there were other things that we were unhappy about, but it would get brought up as financial issues. And I had managed the money in that relationship, and I knew that I didn't like how it turned out, that when things went well, it was all fine, but when there were conflicts, I was kind of the fall guy, and I didn't like being in that position. So I had a chance to do it differently when I met Armin. I think that what people are really unhappy about is that that they're not connecting in the relationship. And for some of them, they had it and lost it. For some of them, the hormones that get it all going in the beginning, it never moved forward to a real emotional connection, real depth in knowing each other and wanting to know each other. And, you know, that... It surprises me when people really aren't that interested in each other's lives. Well, how did you get here? What's important to you? They don't have a depth of connection that really holds them together. And then people change. And and that's what makes it fall apart, is that it's something that wasn't ever really there in the beginning. 
what advice do you give to women who are entering in a new relationship then? Um, and then what advice would you give women who are exiting a, a relationship as far as taking ownership of your finances? The easiest way to end a relationship is to use a kind of collaborative process. And there are people that do collaborative law and there are people that do a negotiating process. Mm -hmm. And that gives both people an opportunity to speak up for what they want and need. And the laws are pretty clear about who's entitled to what. And it doesn't matter whether it's what you need or not. It's what the law says that you are entitled to unless someone is willing to be reasonable in taking care of each other in the dissolution of the marriage. Um, what I would say is the minute that you know that you are going to be alone, you have to take responsibility for figuring out how do I navigate becoming financially independent. Some women have never worked outside the home, and suddenly they are going to be responsible for themselves. And that is a huge challenge. Personally, drawing on what skills they have, what experiences, that's a huge challenge to overcome. But you need to face it directly, and the finances are an important driver of that process. What am I going to need? How can I earn that amount of money? That's a starting point. And then how can I increase the amount of money that I can earn? Because we can all learn and and earn more if we use the talents and the knowledge that we have. So that really engaging in, I'm responsible for what happens to me now, that's the first step for moving through this process. There are a lot of other steps about healing the pain and the loss and the recriminations and the regrets. There's a lot of emotional work that goes into that. But financially, it's taking charge of, this is up to me now. Yeah, and that's how you get the financial independence. Right. I just think of the woman, the mom who pushes the pause button on her professional life to raise yes. kids. Yes. They kind of give up financial authority because either they're just way too busy juggling the family's demands or they kind of feel a bit guilty that they're not physically contributing financially. Exactly. Do you see that a lot? You ask me, how would I, what would I say to women in that situation? I would say, start the conversation that you want to be compensated directly for the work that you do at home and for the care of your children, mm -hmm. and that you want a certain amount that is fair in terms of what your husband is earning, that it's a partnership, but you want something that's fair that you can invest in your own name. And you start to have something to rely on if the relationship comes to an end. You are not caught without only the goodwill of your partner, who no longer, you're no longer in love with each other, you no longer care that much about each other, and everyone kind of goes to their own corner to duke it out. Well, that's not a good place to negotiate from. So what I would say is have the discussion early have it before you have children. Who's going to stay home and take care of the children? And how is that person going to be compensated for the, the work, which is very hard work, very complicated work? How is that person going to be compensated so that she can start to build 
her own resources. And if the husband is going to be the stay-at-home dad, how will he be compensated for that? So that they make the decision on the roles, but they also follow it with the financial implications. We can't, over, we can't undo the culture of the past, but we can start now to, to tackle whatever, however it is that we are affected by that. We can do it differently going forward. And it feels like we are. Right. Mm-hmm. It yes. feels like we're talking about it more. Yes. Women are becoming more engaged. Yes. Instead of delegating and, that part. Right. It's also the reality that very few couples can raise children without both of them working. Wow, that's true. Yeah. So women have been forced into the work um, market, but often they use their money to buy the groceries, to buy the things for the children, and they still have nothing left over to invest in their own taking care of themselves mm-hmm. financially. So it's being really aware about how you're doing this and stopping and saying, wait a minute, I need to take care of myself and I need to have something set aside for me so that I can go back to school, so that mm-hmm. I can do retraining, so that I can take, I can start a new business for myself. I need to have resources available. I see one of the women in our group who was able to negotiate that in a very negative situation where she left the relationship, but she had invested enough that she is able now to build her own financial base going forward. So that's what it takes. Yeah. to It's an individual for each person, but starting wherever you are, attend to it and start to work to take care of yourself financially. Your workshops, the workshops that you host about people reclaiming a life after a loss or divorce, are they still going on? How do we take part in these? Well, anyone who's interested in it could email me or uh, send me a message. The one that we have that Sheila Kennedy and I started, it's been running for a year. We did a, a day and a half of a workshop to start. And then the one, I think we agreed on a one-month follow-up. And then we've consulted the women if they wanted to keep going. And so we're down to four who really want to keep going, but it's not a viable group at this point. So we are going to celebrate the ending of this, and I'm going to start a new group that's a little bit different, but it's on creating a life. And that's where these women are now. They're not at the divorce part anymore. They're on how to grow as a person, how to create the life that I want. So they've come a long way in a year, and it's very exciting to see that. Can new members come in and and be part of this new workshop? Yes, and it is with new people. Okay, so we'll put the link to your email in the show notes. Yes. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? I want to um, say, and one of the questions Sheila asked me was, you know, how did you learn all of this? Well, I learned it from my own life experience, but I did not grow up in a family that knew anything about investing. Um, I grew up in a working family. I was the first one to go to college in my family. And I, one of my friends who was a, a stockbroker said that I was a consummate consumer. And so I earned money and I spent money. And Like a lot of us, sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I also increased how much money I earned, and I learned to really negotiate for what I wanted to be paid as I took more important leadership positions and things, 
I was in a position to negotiate how much I was going to be paid. And so I began to really respect myself and my efforts, and I made a lot of money. And so I had a significant amount put away in my own retirement, but I still didn't know about how to invest money. And so I learned the hard way that there are other ways to make your money work for you. And I was able to get a little bit of that working for me before Armin died. And then I was able to take my retirement money and have it invested and let people take care of it for me. And so I've learned as I've gone along, but I didn't know any of that in the beginning. I knew how to uh, earn money starting at 13 when I was babysitting, and I've worked every day of my life since then. (laughs) And I enjoy making money. It's fun. It's a challenge. If you get into it, it can be a lot of fun. You said you were very good at negotiating. That is uh, something that I think a lot of women, more women tend to lack that Mm -hmm. skill. Can you give us some insight? It really comes back to respecting yourself. It comes back to being in charge of your own life and realizing that you are and and building a kind of respect for the competencies that you have, the experience that you've gained. So when I took my first job, I was being recruited to be a dean of a school of nursing. I consulted older women that I thought would um, have good advice for me about how to ask for a salary mm-hmm. at the level that I was moving into. And when she told me, I thought, No, that's way too low. (laughs) So I made up my own, and I said, this is what it's worth it to me to move from here to here to take on this kind of leadership role and responsibility. I set my own figure, and I got it. Really? (laughs) You just walked in there, asked for it. So at that point, okay, so financially at that point, though, did you feel secure? Because I feel like a lot of people, when you go in to negotiate either a raise or the job, a lot of people in a position where they know they need this job. So there's almost a little bit of desperation there where there's fear of loss, of not getting it. Yes. So that's different than how the position I was in. I was already a tenured professor at Georgetown University. And I had already been there for 15 years or something as a faculty member, and I was being recruited to be a dean at another school. Okay, so you know they wanted you. By the time you get to the salary discussion, they've already offered you the job. Okay. So I'm in a different position at that point to say, well, this is what I would require in order to accept the job that you have now offered me. (laughs) Which circles back to what we were saying in the beginning, that money is all about what you say, financial independence. It's all about that it allows you choices, the choices you want to make. And then you have that confidence behind you where I don't need this job. You need me more than I need you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. Freedom. Yes. <laughs> the word I came up with is money gives you freedom. It does. <laughs> and it's a good feeling, isn't it's it? very good, yes. <laughs> when you move yourself to struggling how you're going to pay the bills to a point yes. where it doesn't matter how much it is, it's just living comfortably. Right, yes. Being able to choose what I want to do, and then yeah. I have the money to do that. It's a good feeling. Yes. And yes. we're going to help you get there. Dr. Grace Harlow-Klein 
Thank you so much, the Center for Human Encouragement. And again, in the show notes, we're going to link to your email if you want to be a part of the workshops or learn more about Dr. Grace Harlow Klein. And your website, by the way, the testimonials, if you go to testimonials, that video, Mm. I was in tears. I'm like, oh, my God, how beautiful the things that people said about you. Yes. You really do impact so many lives. And they impact mine, and it makes a very rich life for my work, and that's really helped me to make a different life after Armin died. My work is is very an important grounding part of making a different life going forward. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Next week on the podcast, the important things that you should know about Medicare and Medicaid. Our favorite elder law attorney, Lisa Powers, will join the conversation next Friday. So till then, you have a great weekend. Enjoy your turkey day. And I will talk to you when we're just coming out of our food coma next Friday. We raise a glass and we say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.